the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Somebody will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We are in the saddle, ready to go for another edition of the Bible Live. Jacob is here with me. And as you folks know, those who listen regularly to this program on a Sunday evening, we are making our way through the entire Bible. Every year we comment our way through. Uh, this past week on our on our general reading schedule, we read chapters Genesis chapters 21 through 36. Now we've just begun our new journey through the scriptures of probably what 19 or 20 years we've been going through the bible every year and um so we we read in our reading schedule genesis chapter 21 through 36 so we'll talk about those chapters this evening we've uh we've kind of gotten started last week talking about the book of genesis the beginnings and it is a very important book of the bible in the sense that it sort of sets the table for the rest of the Bible, in other words, the the, uh, the book of Genesis establishes the primary characters. It establishes the general uh, purposes, uh, you know, the creation of humanity. Why was humanity created? What is uh, the Creator's uh, ultimate plan? What what is He doing? Why was the human race created? Um, and how is that plan working out? In time and space, in well, history, how's that working out throughout for history, you? how's that working out for you? So we're going to um, we're going to review that just a bit tonight. Just kind of for those that are coming along with us, maybe for the first time. What we'd like to do is 
help you, uh, the the uh, listener and uh, the, uh, well, let's say the bibliophiles among you, those of you who love the Bible, who revere and respect, but yeah, you I don't know. I think they have to register now. <laughs> Not yet, not yet. But uh, there are uh, thousands, even millions of people in this culture, in this society, who recognize uh, this book, the value of this book, the the fact that uh, Western civilization, in fact, it is based upon the, the essentially the worldview of this this um, this book, this uh, this presentation of of this explanation of human existence. Uh, and so we want to kind of clarify that for you and give you a sense of an understanding as we start in the book of Genesis. We want to give you an understanding of what the whole book, from Genesis all the way to the end of the, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Tanakh, to the end, uh, the book of Malachi, all the way into the New Testament, uh, the time of Jesus of Nazareth, uh, uh, and then on through the first century uh, now. So... Jacob is here with me. We, let's um, let's work through that a bit, Jacob. I don't think I have to spend too much on that. The uh, do you mind if I get us started? And I'll I kinda, would love I'll you to back. get okay. started. All right. By the way, <laughs> if nothing, you'd like to call nothing. in, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five, and we're certainly. Uh, willing and even eager to hear from you, we are your so thoughts. Eager. Yeah, your thoughts, your perspective, your understanding of this book of books, and uh, as we get started, maybe even some of the details in the book of Genesis. Now, we're going to get down to the details of these chapters that we've read last week uh, in a moment. But let me again kind of work through the big, the big. Uh, I'd say the the major points that we discover as we go through. And, and I'm going to be interested in that because I'm not sure which ones are the major, but you ever oh, yeah, know. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I call them major in the sense of the the major developments that that establish a pattern a that pattern. we're going to see developed all the way through the entire Bible. Um, You're going to love one thing I got for you tonight, but go ahead. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> for one, I would say definitely we understand from the book of Genesis that uh, the creation of uh, the world, the creation of even the, the galaxies and so on, everything that exists, we see a record of that creation, that creative event in the beginning, God creating, as Jacob has made us understand, the, the, um, the, the world around us. So we, and, what it, and what it establishes in the book of Genesis is that it's definitely not an accident. It's just not a a quirk, a coincidence, uh, but the world and the world around us and the human race were created with a purpose. Uh, uh, and it establishes and clearly tells us what that purpose is, essentially all through the book, that the human race was created on this privileged planet, this blue planet we live on, created clearly, uh, distinctly and intentionally for our um for our existence, for our life, uh, to sustain our life, it was created for our benefit, our welfare, uh, that the, the world was. But that the human race was created uh, because God wanted to create a race of sentient, intelligent, in other words, reasoning, 
volitional creatures uh, with free will, with the ability to make decisions, not absolute free will, but the ability to make decisions. They could separate themselves from their environment and make a decision about uh, their lives, what they would believe, where they would go, what they would do, how they would act. And so God created a race of sentient volitional beings out of which he could call out a people for himself. I will be their God. They will be my people. So essentially, God has created a, a race of beings with whom he could establish and sustain and, and for eternally bring them into a love relationship, a, re, a relationship of mutual choice between him and this people. I will be their God. They will be my people. So that's that's the big, big, big purpose that takes place. Now, human beings... On this planet, we we find out early in the book of Genesis that we approach this relationship with God from the side of fallen, sinful beings. That we we could have it could have happened. There was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. There could have been that human beings could experience the difference and become uh, what we call moral beings and knowing the difference of right and wrong through choosing good. But as it turns out, uh, there was a, a choice to disobey God to re, to reject his authority and so the human the whole race came under the consequences the judgment the consequences of our sin so we now approach that relationship with God from the side of fallen sinful or selfish beings uh, that the whole race fell under that uh, that state that condemnation that judgment of our sin but still, the work of redemption is in place. In order for sinful men to be reconciled to God, he had to effect a redemptive plan to satisfy his judgment, to express his love, based on substitutionary atonement. And we see that from the very beginning, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, an animal, a creature had to die to cover them, the clothing that was created. We see that in Cain and Abel. Abel brought the the sacrifice of a lamb, whereas Cain brought um, vegetables or, or, or plants. So that the whole idea of the redemptive plan of God communicated in this way clearly to them was that there would be a, a an animal sacrifice, a sacrificial system uh, that would be that would illustrate the substitutionary atonement, the redemptive plan of God, and a new creation. That God would begin a new race of the redeemed, those who come to him and are made right with him through the redemptive plan of God. So all of that is set in place early on, the book of Genesis. And then the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Bible after that, as we move on to uh, um, we move on to Noah, then we go to we got to Abraham in chapter twelve, and that, that redemptive plan now is revealed progressively, starting now with this man, Abraham. God chooses this man of faith. Uh, he's justified through his relationship by faith and trust in, in the Creator, and he's made right with God. And God is going to use Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then you know Joseph and the children of Israel. We see the name change of Jacob to Israel. And God is going to use this, this branch of redeemed human beings uh, he's, who come to God by faith and trust him, he's going to work in and through and with them to carry out this redemptive plan and that there would be a redeemer, a savior who would come. And it culminates, of course, centuries, centuries later in the birth, life, death, and resurrection of this Messiah, this savior. So that's the big, big, big picture. That's 
if you want to know the the synopsis, what is it? The what do they call the cliff notes, right? If you want to know the Bible in cliff notes and what it what the big picture is, that's what God is carrying out. Now we're going to go when you go into the details uh, of let's say Cain and Abel or uh, to Seth, the replacement son that was given to Adam and Eve to replace that the fallen uh, lineage of uh, Abel, then you see the human race kind of divide uh, continually through those who are God-fearing, uh, acknowledging the true and living God, wanting to honor God, desiring God, loving God, and those who reject God, either outright rejection or by creating their own gods. Uh, and so we we see... We see this division in the human race, and uh, coming down to Noah, then he starts again, and again the race divides. But he puts in place this; uh, he confuses the languages and causes there to be competing interest groups, people groups, uh, different languages, different cultures, different people groups around the world. Mountain people live on mountains, people live on islands, people live in the desert, people live in the uh, in the forests, and uh, different groups. So that now we. We have these competing culture groups so that the whole race doesn't walk lockstep into condemnation and judgment as they did at the time of the flood. And now the, the knowledge, uh, as the human race expanded and grew, so then did the details of, of the redemptive plan of God until just in the right time, at the right moment, we're told in the book of Galatians in the Bible, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, as it was predicted in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the seed of the woman, uh, created enmity between the seed of the woman the seed of, uh, and Satan, and that he would wound, uh, you will wound his heel, but he will crush your head, we're told. So he was born of a woman, born under the law, meaning he's a Jew, he's a, 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 from the people of Israel, that that people group that God chose, starting with Abraham, and promised to bring through their lineage uh, the Redeemer, the Savior, to, to carry out this ultimate redemptive plan of God. So that's all I got, Jacob. That's my I, big picture. I, I, don't, I think we can go home. Do you have any music you can play for the rest of the night? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the big picture of the Scriptures. Now, I know, I know that we've made our way through chapters 1 through 12. At chapter 12, it picks up with Abraham uh, and, and Sarah, Sarai, and then they have a son, finally. That, well, they first have uh, Ishmael. Well, uh, yeah, tonight, uh, we're supposed to start with chapter 21. Yes, that's right. Go ahead and get us. Wh- where would you like to, well, uh, one after my little masterful, brilliant sort of overview of was, the book? It was extraordinary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's all right. All right, pick uh, it up there in uh, chapter well, 21. Just, uh, what are what details do you well, want actually, to highlight? Uh, since we start 21, but one of the most interesting things is, um, why don't we look at your question number three? Do you still have your questions with you that you prepared? Yes, I do. Why was the place where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac, the place was called the Lord will provide? Now, we're, this, and this is the br- beauty and the brilliance of the, of the Bible, the, that we have this big picture, but it's, constantly being presented and illustrated and clarified uh, throughout all of these these small stories about about this one does this and this and, and God uses their experiences if you to didn't highlight have the plan this, I'm going to suggest something uh-huh if you didn't have these stories of the patriarchs you would have no idea if Jesus was the Messiah or not true that yeah. because his qualities his characteristics 
must be produced and alive in the world. So when a guy shows up and says, hey, I'm the Messiah, you don't say, what's that? <laughs> exactly right. So let, let's go to this story. In chapter 22, yeah, chapter 22. Uh, Abraham is, is – uh, now, we've already finished with Abraham and his nephew Lot. We finished that aspect of the story, right? Yeah, the, that's, that's Sodom and Gomorrah and so yeah, on. That's done. And if you want to comment on that, you can as well. But then now we no, come to now we come to Isaac, his one. He's had a they've had a son Ishmael through Hagar, the handmaiden of his wife Sarah. They try to try to help God out a little bit. Right. You, you know, they told him he's going to have a son, but waited for twenty five years and still hadn't had a son. So finally, he decides, well, maybe we need to help God, and they he has a son through Hagar. Who turns out to be Ishmael? What a and wife. Very interesting. What a wife. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. So uh, Ish, well, Ishmael is born, but then Sarah. Well, yeah, but in, in chapter twenty-two, Ishmael is totally ignored. Right now, you know, the the attention turns entirely now well, to Isaac. If you look, look at what it says. And it happened after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he replied, Here I am. Now, that's an interesting response, but that's going to become very important mm-hmm. in, in a few verses. And in the, number two, and he says, and he said, well, listen to this word. I don't know what your version says, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. word is please. God says to Abraham, please. please. Wow, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah, he doesn't say, go do this. And Abraham says, yep, I'm jumping up as you say it. Uh-huh. The word is actually, it says in verse two, twenty-two, two. it says, please take your son your only one of whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, yeah. we know, as you pointed out, he's got another son. Mm-hmm. He loves that son. Mm-hmm. Later mm-hmm. on, we're going to see Abraham say something like, Oh, Lord, if, Abraham, if Ishmael could only be the one, because he's my son too. But for some reason, God doesn't refer to him as the one you love. Hmm. Interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, Is it Abraham trying to kind of do the right thing? I think Abraham always does the right thing. He's probably one of the few people in the Bible that really does not sin. Yeah, but he, but you know what I mean. He's saying he knows he knows Isaac is the son of promise. He's the son that God promised to give to him and Sarah. Well, we know that. Listen, may I just I'll sure sure four things up to this point. I want to tell you, there's four promises talking about the children up to Abraham. So uh-huh. it's, it's four times in chapter 12. And then in uh, Genesis 13, he says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone can count the dust, then your offspring will be counted. Number three. And then he says, look up to the sky, Abraham. Count the stars, and if deed, you can count them. Then... So shall be your offspring. And the last time that promise is reiterated is no longer will you be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham. Abraham. Father of many nations. Yeah, but listen to the H. Mm -hmm. Ham. Ham. Why the sound of the H? Uh, Because you can't say that name without breathing when you say the H. Okay. And what that's about is God gives you your spirit from his breath. Mm-hmm. I'm going to okay. make you God Abraham. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the fourth time he says, you'll no longer be Abram, you'll be Abraham. 
And, uh, and you will be the father of many nations, not just the Jews, but mm-hmm. he is the first Jew. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come for you. So that's four times, and that's in Genesis 17. So, Let me kick in right there with that distinction that you just made. That Now, folks, remember now, as you read the Bible, those of you who are wanting to understand the Bible and getting what it says, remember here we've got... We're working, and now, from this point on, we're working to some degree on two tracks. You've got the earthly track and race of Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, who becomes Israel, then you have Joseph, and they're down in Egypt, and you go on through the story. And we're following this people group that God has chosen to work in and through and with them and to bring blessing to all the nations of the world. So that's one track. On the other hand, we have to remember that these these countless millions and millions that are pr- predicted through Abraham, it, it's not it's not necessarily, or maybe even only, his physical genetic legacy, the, the nation of Israel, and the, the come, or even the nations, but we're talking about that we're talking about the the spiritual lineage, the the. The well, people I, group, I must uh, say that it says nations, right. but it doesn't say they're in the covenant. It just says you have will be the father yeah. of many nations. Not not the earthly covenant with Abraham uh, not and in the that earthly people. Covenant, and but not in the spiritual but covenant then the spiritual either. covenant, it's uh, always about. I don't, I don't think so. It's always about the whole world. God is it's always, always interested world, in the only, whole world. Only. If they believe in the God of and Abraham, that's Isaac, what I'm. And I'm saying that. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, well, that. I, I'm just making it clear. Yeah. Yes. You're that, and I, I. I want you to help me with that because I want people to see that sometimes, as you're reading through the Bible, of course, he's talking about this particular people group, what they're doing. I, you know, they go down into Egypt and they do this and they do that and they have this battle and that battle. And there's well, a line that's, of that's way in Exodus. Though. There's a line of God working with right. them and developing them all and continuing His own work with through the. On the, but ultimately, of course, their purpose even is to help bring about this global, universal plan of God that all of humanity is embraced to the degree that they embrace the God of Abraham, Isaac, yeah. and Jacob. And and we know the true that and living because God. Abraham has a nephew, Lot. Mm-hmm. Actually, Lot, because O's are O's, but Lot. Mm-hmm. And he has one child, Ishmael. But they're not in the covenant. Right. Whoa, right. something's wrong. But then he has Isaac. Yitzhak, Isaac, and he also has a slave that he redeemed, Eleazar. Eleazar, uh-huh. And he's not Jewish at all, yet they are in the covenant. So, you've got the distinction being taught to us that there's a difference between biological and somebody that's biological and, or not biological, and in the covenant. Mm-hmm. Spiritual, uh, spiritually grafted in. And I guess that's a little bit more important to well, me. I, I don't want to mislead because that's not my point. No, no, I know it's not. But I'm trying to bring, I'm trying to represent us yeah. Gentiles. No, no, and I'm not, in but this, I'm not leaving the Gentiles thing. out. What I'm okay. saying is the covenant is not spiritual. The covenant is totally physical. But there is a part of the covenant that's spiritual. That's what I'm trying to if, say. If you if if you want it that way, okay. Yeah. The, the, in other words, there's an aspect of it that's purely physical and earthly, and God's going to carry this out in through this group of people. He's going to bless them and use them mightily, and has this covenant relationship. Okay, but let's talk. Let's look at the story and see what it says. Okay. There you go. Uh, it says, "Please take your son, your only son, of whom you love, Isaac, mm-hmm. and go to the land of Moriah." 
And look what he asked him to do. This is crazy. Well, we haven't got. And he says, bring him up there as an offering. Yes. Now, upon one of the mountains, which I shall show you or tell you. Now, I want to point out something. The Hebrew is the word offering. I think we can fairly uh, transpose it and say sacrifice, uh-huh. if you like. Okay. But he's much older than what we're usually thinking of. Yes. And now, Abraham at this time is one. Is very old. <laughs> is 137. That's pretty old. That's pretty old. And if I get we, to be 137. Uh-huh, well, so we, so we, but what he says is bring him up there as an offering. There is an understanding that he's saying, bring him up. And, you're, and it appears, maybe you can help us out, someplace in the New Testament it says, become a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. book is that? Book of Hebrews, chapter ah, 12. There you go. See, I knew yeah. you would know. Mm-hmm. Well, why would he say a living sacrifice? Well, Romans also talks. Well, wait, Romans wait, 12 let's, says let's stay on too. track here. Okay, okay, go for it. Uh, so he's saying a living sacrifice. Well, that's what's meant by bring him up. Don't go kill him. Raise him as an offering. His mm-hmm. life will be an offering later on. That's in the New Testament. They translated as a living offering or a living sacrifice. So he's actually saying that. Now what's fascinating is, just looking at the adding and the subtracting of the years, we know how old Abraham was when he had his children. Mm-hmm. So we know that there's a strong, some people say think he's a child, some people say a lad, some people say he's 37, some people do the calculations to be 33. Now what's Interesting about the age 33, that seems to correspond upon, which ought to make you happy, Mm -hmm. of Jesus being crucified at age 33. There you go. Now, so, but there's something going on here. So listen to this. Let let me correct what I said. It is Romans 12. Ah, There is something in Hebrews about the sacrifice, but Romans 12 where it talks about, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind Uh he will find acceptable. Okay. So, and that's exactly when he says, bring him up. Mm-hmm. He didn't say kill him. He said, bring him up. Another raise him. So his life is, and they're making that point in the verses you're talking about. And, and it's unusual for two reasons. One, God never, ever, up to this point, ever, do we see God. Oh, my goodness. We'd never see God asking for human sacrifice. Well, let's Which, talk. We're going to talk about day. that. We're going to and talk in secondly, about remember, this I'm is going the, to suggest that the Christians should adapt the Jewish view of this. And then the second point is that this is the child of promise. This is the, the covenant relationship that I'm going to bring. The, and he's telling him to sacrifice him. So well, what's going well, on? Maybe he does. We can look at what it says and determine. When that. we come back. You bet. That's what we'll do. I hope you'll stay with us, folks. Our phone number is 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and we will be back to talk more about Abraham and Isaac, and uh, this young. He has to sacrifice his son, the son of promise. We'll figure it all out when we come Actually, back. He's not. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Come 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void and darkness covered it. But the waters of the deep God spirit began to move. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. Thank you for joining us. We're going to get now. Whoa, what did I do here? There we go. We're going to get back into our passage now. We're coming. Jacob has brought us down to this moment when when Abraham is taking his son to Mount Moriah, and uh, the to interact. The point is that God has called them right to come and offer to what? Where's the word? Uh, not offer up or sacrifice, but you used the phrase while ago. Bring him up. Lift up. Bring him up. And so here we have Abraham's faith, I guess, is being tested in this moment. This is the son of promise. And never before has God asked for human sacrifice. Never. But why don't we do this? Why don't you, from a Christian point mm-hmm. of view, from uh, your point of view, why don't you explain this? It's called the Akeda or the binding of Isaac. Okay, the binding. So why don't you explain? Then I will give you like a little nuance from a Jewish. Okay, point. okay. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know how it. I don't know if it's particularly complex or difficult for us in a way. Uh, I was just saying that God has never asked for human sacrifice, and yet here is the son of promise, Isaac, son of Abraham and Sarah, that He had promised to them. And then after all of that, and this covenant relationship and this promise has come, then he says for him, go and sacrifice this son. Well, he didn't say sacrifice. That's the issue. Okay. But that's, you asked for. I'm sorry, please. I'll be quiet. You go ahead and tell your story. It just is kind of, we plainly, you know, kind of read it in the version, the way we've gotten gotten it from our Bibles. It looks like he's asked to sacrifice him. And and he says, okay. Uh, and even Isaac says, well, where's the sacrifice? Thinking it should be. And Abraham says, God will provide. And so there's a picture here. It's in a, in a way, it's a picture of that redemptive plan. God is going to provide a sacrifice. He's going to make the provision through which uh, we will be redeemed. And 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 of course, in the story, uh, after the angel stops Abraham from from uh, sacrificing or killing Isaac, then we see there is a ram who's caught in the hedge over here, and they take that lamb, that ram that God has provided, and he becomes, again, it's a picture of that substitutionary atonement, but but the, uh, but that God is making, it, he is providing the sacrifice for us. I I don't know if it's much more complicated than that, for us at least. You know what I mean? It's yeah. We just read... 
I understand. In English, and we that's all we have. But so, you have an additional uh, insight about well, it. Well, no, I don't know if it's additional, but it's a little different take. Okay. Because mm-hmm. uh, as you said, evidently, God of the Bible does not like child sacrifice. Right, yeah. That's... So, uh, from the Christian take, I understand that they many times refer to it, I think, like you were suggesting, that's a foreshadowing of perhaps Jesus. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest something different. I'm going to suggest, and this is very Jewish, mm-hmm. is that the lesson, because all the nations around uh, Abraham and these other peoples, they are killing their children. Mm-hmm. So child sacrifice was kind of a routine, common thing, especially the firstborn. And we're going to see that story mm-hmm. later. Uh, but what happens is, so the lesson the Jews get out of this is that you never, ever, ever, ever kill your child for you to get rid of your sins or to get into heaven. Never. Right. Now, I'm going to suggest that uh, that should not be a foreshadowing for the Christians. Mm -hmm. I'm going to suggest they should adapt that same point of view. You don't have to kill your children ever again because from the Christian point of view, Jesus took care of that for you. So I'm going to suggest, I suggest, a better view from the Christian world is to say, you need to learn too. You never sacrifice a child. You don't have to because God sent Jesus and mm-hmm, from the Christian mm-hmm. view. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Can, uh, just the one little caveat okay. that I think you made me see some years ago that? is that the idea that, that the idea of no God doesn't judge sin on the children. And so the whole idea that God took out his judgment in his, in his wrath or the judgment of sin on, on his son on our behalf. It, in some ways, I could see how that would be a little bit counter-thinking. That God would never do He'd never call for sins to be carried out on the children. Why would he, be, why would so, he carry it out on his son? And, of course, the distinction, the difference we make is that, as in this situation— as you mentioned already, Isaac was a young man. I mean, he could clearly have overcome, overpowered his father. His father was an old man. He is a young, bracing, very strong He man. would have had to catch him. He had to submit. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you something. So there's else. that idea of the willingness of well, the son to offer himself. In the Quran, among the Muslims, in this very mm-hmm. story is the idea is where they get the word Muslim. Because in, in the Quran, Submission, yeah. it's the... Muslim, which is submitted or submission. Mm-hmm. That is Islam, a Muslim. So they actually, from the story, but in the Quran, they get the idea that you should submit. So that's actually where they get that, but that's where it comes from, that name. A tiny little distortion of the the concept, I, don't you think, of, of what we're I, talking about? I don't know if I'd say tiny, but it's okay. Okay, okay. Uh, I, but, I'm trying to be gracious. Okay, but in, uh, in 22, verse uh, 5, it does say, uh, Abraham says to the guys who went with him at to the Mount Moriah, he says, you guys stay, stay here. here. Mm-hmm. Now, who does he tell them to wait with? Oh, shoot. I, I didn't look at that detail. Okay. With the donkey. With the donkey. <laughs> I thought it was going to be some great no, theological no, thought. Think about that for a minute. You guys wait here with the donkey. Uh-huh. Ah, there's a meaning there. Okay. And There's a meaning at, everywhere for you guys. Well, <laughs> and then, uh, and then y'all been I, reading this book so it long. Goes on to say, Abraham says, "You wait here with the donkey and the young man, some mm-hmm. perversion, say the lad. Mm-hmm. 
uh, uh, we will go up yonder and we will worship and we will return to you. So, this has been great speculation. Does that mean he's going to offer him, kill him, he's going to come back to life? Or does he understand that he's not being told to kill his son? Now, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to love. You ready? Yeah. The knife. The knife over Isaac. That has a name in the Hebrew. Don't worry about the name, but I'm going to tell you it's what. It's not it Horeb, is it? No. no okay, no. okay. But this is the name. Oh, you're going to love this. Prepare yourself to love it. Okay, I'm prepared, I think. It is the same root word that makes up the name Bethlehem. How about that? Yeah, so the knife is basically the name Bethlehem. Isn't mm -hmm. that fascinating? It is. So. So he says, we're coming back. So he knew he was bringing up yeah. his boy back. Yeah. Now, there's something else. So, but I want you to get this picture. And this is from a Jewish point of view. In other words, at that moment, every future Jew, every generation of the, all Israel is embodied in Isaac. Is that risk, <laughs> would well, you say? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> and, but what's over his head is the knife to kill him. But God stops him. You're looking at symbolism, may I suggest. Okay. So you say, God's saying, look, uh, there will always be a knife over your head for all the generations because we're all embodied in Isaac. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to let that happen. And that fulfills the four promises mm -hmm. that he had made to Abraham earlier. Mm -hmm. Now, if you'd be kind enough to look with me in chapter 22, and I want to show you something fascinating. Verse 17. I mm -hmm. think it's 17. Yours may be numbered a little bit. This is after the angel stops him. Yes, the angel stops Stay, him. Uh -huh. He stays his hand so from offering God has the angel Isaac. stop him. Yeah. Verse 17 says, okay, this is what the Lord said, because you have obeyed me and not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth okay, will be you're, blessed. You're, you're, you're all because you have obeyed me. got a lot more information than it. Well, I read verse 18 as well. Oh, well, 17 says. I will bless you and multiply your descendants beyond number. Is okay, that what you're looking no, for? No, I'm looking for stars of heaven. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Now, you know what that means. We've talked about that. Before. Yes, uh-huh. Would you like to explain what that means? No. You go ahead. You do much better than I. Well, what it means is the numerosity or the numbers is not the issue. He's saying it's going to be numbers. It's going to be a lot, but it's n the numbers is not the issue. The, s the stars are really not countable. There's a lot of them. But when you obey God, you will be still numerous, but you'll be shining like the stars. You obey the Torah, shall we say. But if you do not do that, you will still be numerous, but you will be like the sands on the seashore. That people walk on. And people will walk. I thought you didn't want to do it. Well, I, 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 was, I was being reminded of yeah. that. See, the, the, you got to know this, Jacob. These are the these details that... I, and I don't mean it in any way disrespect that you guys come up with. Use guys. Use guys. No, no. I, I respect them. I love them. They're a blessing. And then most of the time they're really encouraging. But it's just that 
You have to remember we're Gentiles. We haven't had these things Come for 10,000 years for like you guys. For 30 minutes the opening of the show, you said, no, no, it closes Gentiles. It's all the Gentiles. And now you come back and say, well, you got to remember we're Gentiles. But we don't know. Come See, on. you guys are great at the details. The, each little I, detail, each little story. That, that's so wonderful. that you should not know. There's nothing that's true. secret. There's that's no why secret we pay you the big bucks. You know, That's oh, why we have you on here. Okay. Help us, help us. Keep so, going. What we got here is we've got the idea. So I'm going to suggest that all these na- other nations, they were killing. We're going to see a story very shortly about Laban. It comes up. Uh-huh. And we're going to see something unusual that how he killed his first son. Laban is the... Uh, Father of Leah and Rachel. Yeah, yeah, Rachel and Leah, but also he's uh, related somehow to Abraham, right? He is. is they're, they're like seventh cousins away. So. Uh-huh, okay. Okay, so... So we address that a little bit. Let's go ahead and take a look. Okay, that takes care of Abraham and Isaac and well, the sacrifice of Isaac an and idea. so on. Now, we probably want to mention... There's a whole bunch more, but we're going to put, go the, on. Another little detail is that Isaac's name means laughter. Well, why don't you... Which is let, let's look interesting. Um, why don't... That's Isaac, mm-hmm. okay? But you've got... Your question number 10 is interesting. Mm-hmm, okay. And the reason it's named laughter is because when God told Abraham and I, Sarah they were going to have a child, Sarah laughed. <laughs> she, ha, ha, sure, sure. I mean, you know, she was what ninety nine years old, and all she didn't think she would be having a child. I think she was and so they, yeah, they named the child. Well, but sure. she was ninety nine when she had the child, right? Point, yeah. Anyway, uh, so she laughed. So they named their son Laughter. Okay, now you said t- question number twelve. Is that what you said? Well, no. before we do, there is one thing I'd really like to point out that everybody. Does not pay, uh, not everybody, but we should pay attention. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, people tend to mix up the Jewish culture and the Arab culture. They True. think women had no rights. They think that the fathers would just sell their children, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, look over at 24 mm-hmm. and look at, uh, let's, if you'd like to read, uh, why don't you start at uh, verse uh, 56. Whoa, long chapter, isn't it? Yeah, 56. And uh, through 58. But he said, let me see, who is he? Abraham's servant said, send me. Oh, this is Eliezer when he goes to get a wife for Isaac. Isaac. The story of that. Uh, We want Rebecca to stay with us at least 10 days, her brother and mother said, so she can, then she can go. But Eliezer said, don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. Well, they said, we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. Now, wait a minute. That's what I want to point out. Everybody does, does, doesn't pay attention to this, especially, I may I say, maybe in a Christian church. Mm-hmm. Women, and I hear people teach this all the time. Right here is our, one of our very first examples. It says, they say, well, let us, actually, 57 says, and they said, the mother and father, let us call the maiden and ask her decision. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. Yes, I will go. So see, it was her decision. And when Eleazar comes with the gifts, if you go back and look who he gave the gifts to, he didn't pay the daddy and buy the daughter. He gave it to her. That's right. That's right. Although he did give gifts to the daddy as well. Well, he did, but that's not. That's yeah, con- yeah. That's constipated conversation. I, I got it. So they so, called Rebecca. Are you willing to well, go? What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that 
It was up to her, and he gave gifts to her. He didn't go buy it. Right. In the Arab yeah. culture. No, no, you made a beautiful point. She did indeed have the right and the freedom to make her own choice, right. and her choice went against what he wanted. He wanted her to stay with them. Right. Uh, exactly. And she actually chose the opposite, and she got her desire, her wish. So well, that's correct. That's and, good. And, I'm glad you I brought that up. I always like to point out that people are so confuse what you might call the Arab culture with the Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. That women had no rights, they were just property. That would be the Arab culture, but it's not the Jewish culture. Right, okay. I I, I think I see it, and it seems to be clearly evidenced here in this story. So anything else? Uh, Well, let's go back over. Now let's go on to where uh, I'd like to address for a minute or two your number number 10. Oh, okay. My nickname means, okay, okay, I get yeah, this you one. know where I'm headed. I know. My nickname means heel catcher or figuratively deceiver. As a mama's boy, I use manipulation and trickery to double my inheritance and become titular head of the family. But God used troubles to teach me to trust in him. Who am I? Who is this uh, individual, this devious deceiving person, okay? Let me ask you, do you go to Hitler for your theology? <laughs> Most of the time, yes. Oh, you do? <laughs> no. No, I, <laughs> no, no of course not, that. no. Well, I want to tell you. Not Adolf. Uh, uh, oh, it was his brother, Ralph, <laughs> or Bob. Or yeah, something. George, whatever. Oh, George, yeah, we'll say George. Anyway, um, okay, so there's something very interesting going on. So... He, the people, when they say, oh, Jacob means deceiver, etc., mm-hmm, etc., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, there's something really interesting in this. So we're jumping forward now from Abraham and Isaac. Now, Isaac gets a wife. Eliezer is sent up north to his family, and he finds a, uh, Rachel. No, no, I'm sorry. He finds, um, come on, Soapy, Rebecca, and he brings a, a wife back to uh, to Isaac, back in his father's home. Just a quick commentary on that. This is often seen as, Eleazar is often seen as a figure of a type or a picture of the Holy Spirit in his role. Oh, of bring, I've never heard that. That's interesting. He brings us to faith. Ah. You know, we are the bride of Christ, you know, the people of God. And Eleazar has been sent out to bring us to, to bring the bride to the, the to you know to Christ, and you know, we call it the bride of the church, the body. So the Eleazar is sometimes seen as a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. Huh. But anyway, well, that's, that's interesting. I, mm-hmm. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So now let's uh, quickly. We're going to get to the name. Sure. Uh, but if you look in chapter twenty-five. Oh yeah, and they have two sons now, Jacob and Esau. They do. They twin sons. Two twins, huh? And uh, and. Uh, it says uh, Isaac was an old man. Uh-huh. He uh, he liked uh, he liked uh, certain kind of food. Uh-huh. But and so Jacob and let's say twenty five twenty nine. Jacob simmered a stew, and mm-hmm. Esau came in from the field. Now the field is the idea that the woods, the world. Right. Uh huh. So there's a spiritual idea because the field is the world. Okay. And uh, and he was exhausted, and Esau said to Jacob, "Pour me, pour into me, pour into me mm-hmm. uh, some of that very good red stuff, for I am exhausted." Now he's supposed to be a great hunter. Red stuff. Your version says red stuff. Yeah, that's literally the Hebrew red stuff. Oh, yeah. 
that's funny. I, I mean, it's a. I'm well, sorry. And, and, uh, and, and Jacob says <laughs> that red stuff. He says, "Well, if that's the case, see the idea is it is called lentils, uh-huh. but Esau uses the word red stuff. He's demeaning the lentils. How about that? And lentils are the traditional meal of morning. Morning. So we have to ask ourselves." What Jacob is doing is preparing a meal for his parents. So we have to ask ourselves, who just who most recently died? Chapter 25, Abra- the death of Abraham. His go. grandfather Abraham had so died. His grandfather, which is also the grandfather of Esau, mm-hmm. has died. Jacob's being a pretty nice kid, nice son. He's preparing lentils. It is lentils. In other places, it says lentils. Mm -hmm. But when Esau comes in, he doesn't even talk about lentils. He says, give me some of that red stuff. And and he says, well, maybe you should sell me your birthright. In other words, you care so little that your mother and father are suffering about the death of their father, Abraham? So that's what that business is all about. So in 31, he says, "Uh, maybe you should sell your birthright. And he says, look, I'm going to die. He's not going to die. Mm-hmm. And he says, what use is a birthright to me? So he doesn't care. So the point that they're trying to illustrate is Esau just didn't care about Abraham. Uh, and I he, think further than that, Esau is not only Abraham, but Esau gave no value or worth to the covenant, the, to to the whole point. In other words, the, the reason for their existence was to be the covenant to live, dwell in this covenant, carry out this covenant relationship with the God of Abraham and Isaac, and, and Esau was not in—he was not into that at all. That was—that was of no importance to him. He didn't value the things of God, and that seems to be the central thing that's taking place, right? Right. That Esau does not value the things of God. He doesn't value that covenant relationship, but but Jacob does. I'm not sure it's a full-blown understanding and a full-blown commitment yet, but Jacob clearly does value why, it why and want it. Well, it seems like Jacob, after that, then seems to go through a period of growth throughout his life. Picture Jacob grows in that relationship, in that commitment, in that understanding of of the God of his father Abraham and Isaac. And it seems like, in other words, I I think it, he he. But he did. He did have the commitment. He did value it. I agree with you. I think there's a growth going on. Okay. And uh, there's a very interesting verse in 2634. I'm sorry, 2635. I don't know how your version translates. 34 says, at the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith, the daughter of Biri, and Basimoth, the daughter of Elon, but Esau, but Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebecca. Huh. Is that read? Is that consistent uh, with what you? Thirty-five is uh, from the Hebrew. This was a source of spiritual rebellion to Isaac and Rebecca. Okay, yeah. Well, that, I would, I would. That's what I would suspect. That's kind of the way I would interpret it. Is that they're not from the covenant, and they're not. They don't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they're. And clearly, that's going to be a point of. So now, and and we know that Isaac is going blind, right? Right. Yes. Uh huh. And he says, "But I really, really like some good food. Ask Esau to go get me some food from the field. Go right. kill an animal." Mm-hmm. Right. Now, um, he says, uh, 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to summarize for the purposes of sure, time. Sure, sure. But he says, okay, so Esau, go out and get me this food. But look at in, in 27, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game. So, and uh, bring me some game, verse 7, bring me some game and make me the delicacies to eat. And I will bless you in the presence of God before my death. So now his son, Esau, he heeded his voice and he went out. But he says, I love this. This is my favorite meal. Go get it from Esau. Uh -huh. But Rebecca makes a meal out of the domestic flock, the goat. Right? Yes. I'm looking at our clock. We have just a, a few moments left. John, maybe you can help me. Make sure we get our bumper going and get out at the right time here, okay? Uh, go for it. And uh, when you hear the music, you know, that means what. Okay, uh -huh. So, he makes a food. He makes food that if this guy, if Isaac, really, really loved that particular meal, how come he couldn't distinguish it between that and the goat? Okay. Now, how, science tells us that a human being has how many senses? Five. Ah, Physical, you're talking about physical senses. Touch, taste, well, sight, hearing. Let's go hearing. Right down through the list of this story. Mm -hmm. Let's follow it. Ah. So it says, uh, he's, we know his eyes are dimmed, he's going blind. Blind. Mm -hmm. And then he says, and your brother is a very hairy man. And mm -hmm. Jacob Touch. Said, All things bright and beautiful. Oh, are we still on? Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought the music, you told me to stop when the music came No. Out. Finish that thought and oh, we'll break out. I can't because there's, there's three more steps to it. Oh, okay. So we'll come back and we'll see how all five senses are involved in this exactly. particular uh, situation. And uh, we're coming up on our final segment. If you'd like to give us a call, anything you've heard that intrigues you, puzzles you, or has inspired a thought uh, about the Scriptures and something they mean to you, we'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. The Bible Live will be right back. The books of the Bible, time-tested and reliable. Scripture has a power that's undeniable. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, and Psalms, Proverbs. All right, well, John is trying to help us all. I did it again, John. I hit that button wrong. Uh, I hit take instead of stop. I'm sorry, or potting it down. But uh, we'll, we'll get it straight. We'll come back to it. But then we are back for our final segment, and John is trying to help us remember the books of the Bible. All right? That's, that's very clever, John. Very good. <laughs> He's proud of himself, folks. He's so he's, oh, yeah, that's right. The Bible Live. That's what it's all about. Oh, that's right. No, you got it. No, 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 no explanation necessary. That was good. Okay, so well, we got five senses. We're coming back. So Final have, segment. Uh, his eyes are dim. Mm -hmm. his, he can't tell distinguish between the the domestic food and this wild game. Okay. He, mm -hmm. he feels his sense of the feeling. The hair, you know, the hairy arms exactly. and that sort of so thing. So we go right down, and the last one 
is the voice, the hearing, the one of the five senses. Uh-huh. And he says, and he's not sure about that one. He says, you know, you, you sound like Jacob. Well, anyway, so he goes through the five senses. Those are all physical. But uh-huh. There's something, another sense going on here. And what it has to do with is what God told Rebecca. She said, he, God told Rebecca, there are two kids. One's not going to go this way. So this is God that's doing this. Jacob is doing nothing wrong. We didn't point that out at oh, the I'm, beginning I'm, of this I, I, story, I but it, it is important. I, I'm going to point it out now. Okay. So the point. So, is, so Rebecca knew all along. She, God had told her yeah, that or, the younger or, or son would. Yeah. 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 So the Rebecca knows. This is a God decision. This is not a Rebecca decision. This is not a uh, Jacob decision. So we know the five senses, the touch, the feeling, the taste, the hearing, uh-huh. all that. So that's all physical. But we know that there's something else going on because God said this. So how could Rebecca do something wrong if God said do this? And how could Jacob do something wrong? Now, what goes on is this. In 2736, when people say Jacob means deceiver, the reason I asked you the question, do you go to Hitler for your theology? And, of course, you said you go to George Hitler. <laughs> but, uh, but the point is, is, uh, my, is that in 2736, he said, Esau, because his name is called Jacob, that he outwitted me these two times. Well, he didn't outwit him. He didn't cheat him. He, he was making stew for his family. And Esau came in and said, I don't give a crap about my family. I am hungry. And he said, I'll give you my birthright. It means nothing to me. And then we have the thing we just saw that he married two Hittite wives. Uh-huh. And so he didn't even, and they are idol worshipers and they do child sacrifice. Uh-huh. Now, so when he says, if, if you quote, and I'm, I, knew, I really like to make this point. If a person says Jacob means deceiver, then they're quoting Esau. They are not quoting God. It has nothing to do with it. In fact, I got to tell you, in Hebrew, it's a um, don't worry. It's close, but there's a word heel means catching a heel because Yaakov is Jacob, but Yaakov is heel. You see, it's very close uh-huh, to heel. Uh-huh. But there's another Hebrew word that you can make a word play on. So when he's saying in verse 36, Esau says, "Oh, he's calling Jacob." Well, the way they translate it, it comes across 100% so nobody's guilty of misreading it because it does say it. But it's the bad guy that's saying it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, he's not, doesn't mean deceiver. It means catching by the heel. Yaakov is the he, heel. Heel catcher. Uh-huh. Heel catcher. So it has, it's not even, it's not the same. So it was not like it was generally known or recognized or popular thing that his name was like. It was just Esau, this fallen, Esau sinful, wretched guy, guy who... The bad guy who who catches that name play and and puts it, and we've made the mistake of adopting it as a general truth. And my my the thing I like to stress is let's not quote the bad guys for our theology. Okay, all right, you got it. And I think so, that makes sense. But here's the other thing: when he says he's cheated me twice, he's outwitted me twice. Has he? Because no. remember, first of all, God said to the rest, said to Rebecca, mm-hmm. but remember that Jacob, Yaakov, Jacob. He has, he purchased, he bought the birthright that Esau disdained. Right. So how could he be outwitting him? 
He paid for it. Esau sold it. So Esau's lying. Mm-hmm. And then he blames, oh, well, no wonder he's outwitted. Maybe he didn't outwit him. We know from the story ourselves that he came and said, I want that red stuff. Okay. Let me ask you this. Yes. Uh, uh, I am. I, I, I totally agree. I think it's I true to the text. Okay. Is, uh, but I am curious as to uh, the correctness of my understanding of yes. what is it exactly that uh, that Jacob bought. The birthright. Okay, and so you explain what that means. Ah, exactly what you have got listed in your verse, your question eleven. It says. He is going to get the double portion. That gives me a great opportunity to explain that. Okay. When it says double portion, let's suppose you and I are brothers, but you're the older brother, and you're the smarter brother. And so you're going to take care of the business of the tribe, okay? Right. Now, you're going to spend much of your productive life taking care of the business of the tribe. So you can't plant, you can't raise sheep, you can't uh, plant vegetables, whatever. Mm-hmm. fields. Mm-hmm. Okay? So... You're only going to be able to work half the time. So for half that time, you get the full portion. But I get the same thing. You don't get more than me. You get exactly the same me, but you're getting more because you have to take care of the business of the tribe. Does that make sense? Uh, it does in a way. Yeah, I get it. Okay. So if you're spending 20 hours of your 40-hour work week taking care of everybody else's business, you're still getting your full portion. It's not really actually... it. An enriching thing. In other words, you're not getting more money, but you're you're being That's right. half of the money you're getting is now for administering the inheritance and the, administering the the absolutely, the, absolutely. That's the family that's whatever. Right. Okay, so okay, so I that's get, one part of it. Yeah. And what about this idea of being the titular head? Let me see. Um, Double portion and become titular head, and this was especially important of, in the light of God's covenant with Abraham and Isaac, that that now Jacob becomes the the linear the, the lineage well, let's slow that down. the let's covenant look, lineage. Let's look at the story. Okay, the story itself is we know that Esau lied. He's made a pun, a, a nasty pun, on Jacob's name. He's the bad guy, and he's the one that sold it. So Jacob did nothing wrong. The only guy that's innocent in this whole thing is probably is Isaac. Uh-huh. And, and, and Esau married outside of the covenant, yes, outside he doesn't women care. who don't no. love God and follow that's God. That's right. They're idol worshipers. Okay. So now, so so Jacob uh, values the things of God. Yes. He becomes the titular head. In other words, he becomes the... The, the continuation of the well, covenant that's lineage. Why, that's why I keep trying to stop at that point. Uh-huh. He's not a leader. What happens is he has to abandon everything. He runs for his life. Right. And his mom says, you better get out of here because Esau's going to kill you. Now, Esau's been the thief. He's the bad guy. He's lied. He's lied. He, we know he did it. The only innocent guy in this thing is probably Isaac. Uh-huh. So he has to run for his life. Well, when he runs for his life, he's lost everything. So he didn't get anything. And the guy that's going to now function and steal it back after he sold it was the the, what, the leader of the tribe, you mm-hmm. might say Esau. Mm-hmm. Well, I, but 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 I want to say on Jacob. Uh, uh, Jacob did make a real choice here yeah. to, be, to become a God follower. In other words, he 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 was going to continue to honor and trust and obey and follow after the God of Abraham and Isaac, his father, grandfather and father. And yeah. yes, even as he flees, uh, he goes up to his. Fa- but he's going to marry 
part of the reason he, that Rebecca tells him to do that is he's going to marry into his family, that lineage that, of God followers. Yeah, it's basically the old thing about what you, uh, somebody intended for evil, God meant for good. Yes, works okay. out for good. So, uh-huh. in, uh, going on in 27, Okay. what is your verse 46? I hope you numbered the same as I. Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm sick and tired of these local Hittite women. I would rather die than see Jacob marry one of them. You see, because Esau had married them, and they're idol worshippers. They, they even. They well, even that's did. what I was just saying. That so, Jacob then right. goes where Rebecca so tells. She sends him off to a relative, who not is, to marry the Hittite women, right, but and to go get a. Who knows about the God of right. Abraham and Isaac? And Jacob. that would be Laban. Laban. So now, this whole thing is getting really put in kind of a perspective. So, and then look at 28. Soap opera has nothing on these stories. This is is great. So now he runs for his life up north, leaves mom and dad, and goes up north to work for his uncle, Laban. In 28, verse 1, it says, So Isaac summoned Jacob and said to him, Now his name's still Jacob. He said, And he instructed him and said to him, Do not take a wife from the Canaanite woman, because the Hittites, the Canaanites, were had different groups of people names like Hittites. Mm-hmm. And so it said, Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, uh, your mother's father, and take a wife from there, of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Okay. So now he's going to go back. And what's going to happen is he ends up being uh, absolutely penniless. He has no money, and he has to work yeah. for the two wives. May your descendants multiply, and she passes. May God pass on to you and your descendants the blessings He promised to Abraham. May you own this land where you are now living as a foreigner, for God gave this land to Abraham. And so the the covenant relationship—that's what I was saying—is he becomes the recipient now in the line of the covenant relationship with the God. Covenant, yeah, I would say I agree with you if, if that's what you mean. He's he's the covenant standard bearer uh-huh. but look i want to show you in 28 verse 9 look what it says so esau went to ishmael and took mahalath uh-huh. the daughter of ishmael whoa do you see what happened esau, esau goes. has married the daughter of ishmael uh-huh so we got something really unsavory going on now and, the, and we know that this just terribly tore up the parents, Isaac and Rebecca. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so. Wow. So p- what we're picturing here in, in, a, in a kind of a microcosm way is this, this, this battle that we talked about at the very beginning, this division in humanity between those who would follow after God, the true and living God, and those who would reject God and then create their own gods. You did, you did good. So, so we're okay. I'm learning. So so this is a kind of a small picture of the big thing that's going on. Well, that's, that's beautiful. It really is great. And at the same time, we're seeing the furtherance of the plan of God in that this is that lineage through which God is going to bring blessing to all the nations of the world. It's through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that ultimately the Messiah is going to come, the Redeemer. That's right. So Wow, wow, wow. I like so, this. So we know what's going on because Jacob... Uh, he marries two daughters, right? Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. made a deal because he wanted to marry. First, he worked. He thought he worked seven years for Rachel. Rachel. Do you know what Rachel means? Beautiful. No. Lovely. No. Hot. 
No. <laughs> the hot one. Tell me when you run out. <laughs> I run out. I used to know what it meant. but Okay, Rachel uh-huh. is Rachel. Rachel. And it means little lamb. Oh, he marries the that's lamb. sweet. Oh, there's some symbolism there if you want to think it through. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, so, and then what does... Uh, what does, what happens is, of course, Laban switches and he marries Leah. All right. Now Laban does deceive him, right? Laban, evidently, hundred percent deceives him. But I've always wondered. I mean, I know this sounds kind of crass and maybe, a, but how in the world did Jacob go in and, and not know in that first night that he was not with Rachel, but he was with Leah? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. We, I guess we'll just we can ponder, but I guess we just gotta accept it as it is. The, the story. That's I got where the story goes. I got another one before you that's far beyond that. Okay. Rachel evidently loves Jacob. She had to participate in the deception because she could have spoke up and said, "Jacob, that's my sister," but she didn't. Yeah, okay. I know, and they say, well, in our culture, in our society, or something, it's more customary for the older to 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 marry before the younger, and right. therefore they gave her Leah. So maybe that was truly a well, also, an accepted the, cultural the, modesty thing. was a very high value commodity, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that Jacob probably didn't ever really got around uh, Rachel very much. And they certainly didn't have any moments alone. So, I mean, it's conceivable. In a tent where it's very dark in the middle of the desert, who knows? Okay, okay, I get it. But, boy, it's always kind of... But, okay, that's what happened. Laban deceives Jacob, and he makes him work for seven years for Rachel. But then he gives him Leah. And then he gives him Leah. And then he has to work for seven more years, right? Explanation. In 2917, Leah's eyes were tender. Is that what you're saying? Since, uh, 17. But Rachel had a beautiful figure and a lovely face. There was no sparkle in Leah. Okay. There was no sparkle in Leah's eyes, but oh. Rachel had a beautiful figure what and a, a lovely face. What a shame. What, okay. a, what a poor translation. Okay, go, go, go. You know go. what that's about? No, no. She she's almost blind. She can't see very well. Okay. She wouldn't have to have, She could if she had glasses, she'd have to have those Coke bottle glasses. So, the understanding is, and eight and eighteen, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, "I will work seven years for you, for Rachel, for your younger daughter." Laban said, "That's good, that's good," and then he switched them out. But the point is, and there's a, a fascinating understandings that we probably just don't have time to go into. But uh, what happens is Leah and Rachel had to agree. Okay. Now here's the catch. I get. Let me go one more step with you. One of them will be what we, you and I would call the maid of honor. One would be wearing, may I say, the wedding gown. Okay. That means that Rachel had to give her wedding gown to Leah. Wow. Now, this is interesting because what's happened is she's participating in this. Now, what makes you wonder is how in the world would the whole family go along with this deceit? Isn't that How in the world? Or why? Are they, well, evidently, two things come to mind. They said it truly was a tradition that 
the younger could not marry until the older had married. So maybe that was true. And then he says, but we'll make it up to you just after after the the week. The tradition is not to lie about it. After the wedding week is over, we'll give you Rachel too, provided you promise to work another seven years for me. So Laban is getting another, he's getting... Jacob. Now here's here's I want something. You you ought to fall in love with this. Okay. Right? I want you to start thinking about something because we're gonna see Jacob wrestle with somebody. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, and then his name becomes Israel. Now, if occasionally you'll see after that point, we haven't got there yet, but occasionally you're going to start seeing that sometimes it's called Jacob, sometimes it's called Israel. Think of Israel as being spiritual. Think of Jacob as being physical. Now you see, you're getting on touching on what I said earlier about okay. these two tracks, well, right? The, go, spiritual. the reason I'm bringing it up yeah. at this point mm-hmm. is because the, there are two wives here. One is the wife, the physical wife of Jacob. One is the spiritual wife of Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, now if you go to verse 30, Rachel saw she had not born children to Jacob because now he's married to both. I'm uh-huh. just moving along, uh-huh. and it says. So Rachel became envious of her sister. Of course, yeah, because Leah has all these children. Yeah, Yeah. but think about this. She's the one that put the thing into works. And and it says, uh, then Rachel said to Jacob, Give me children, otherwise I am dead. Now, I want to pause there for a minute. Now, why would she be dead? He's not going to kill her? No. No. But think about what that's mean. That means without a child, I don't have immortality, physical immortality. I don't live on. That's why back at the Akeda or the binding of Isaac, that's why it becomes important when he goes up there and he says, and Isaac seems to say, Father? That's just like an open-ended question. But Isaac is not talking to Abraham. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Abra- Isaac's talking to Abraham. And he says, Father? And Abraham, Abraham is says, not talking to Isaac. Isaac. He says, he's talking to God when he says, Here I am, my son. That's my immortality, the promises you made four times to me. I only live because my descendants. Right. And here you've got the same thing going on. She said, Otherwise, I am dead. She'll have her life, but she doesn't go on. Does that mean that Leah was thinking of that legacy of faith? Did she have that in mind? I don't think so. The understanding is not yeah, that. This was more the physical. Yeah. So she, but of course, and then it says, and she said, um, let's see, Jacob's anger flared up at Rachel, and he said, Am I instead of God who has withheld from you the fruit of your womb? Now, there's something going on here. Yeah. We know that Jacob and Sarah had a hard time having babies. Uh-huh. We also know that this is continuing. Abraham and Sarah. I said Abraham. I'm sorry, Abraham and Sarah. And then here we have a situation where... Jacob and Rachel have having, a hard time. So you're getting this idea that it's something about birth. And so we know that there is a something that was supposed to watch about birth. You like the And this is even more complicated or made more complex and more beautiful because of the fact that you know that this the this covenant this covenant promises in there that you're 
of your seed is going to come not only the nations of the world and abundance of nations, but, but the Redeemer, the Savior, is going to come through your line. And so it, it takes on this added little element of complexity and urgency that they because Judah, mm-hmm. Judah and Benjamin are the sons of Rachel. And Judah and the Messiah, we understand, later on we see that the Messiah is going to come through the tribe of Judah. That's the correct. scepter will remain That's in your hands right. and you, until the one comes. And so, so, well, Reuben goes out and he collects something. I don't know. And what does yours say in verse 14? It'll be uh, 30, 14. 30, 14, coming right up. One day during the wheat harvest, Reuben found some mandrakes growing in a field wow. and brought them to his mother, Leah. Okay. Rachel begged Leah, please give me some of your son's wow. mandrakes. Wow. Wait. Why is Rachel saying that? This was considered to be almost a lucky charm, uh, aphrodisiac, something uh-huh. like that. Mandrakes, uh-huh. Well, that's the word they're using. And uh, it's actually a flower called uh, Dudadin. That's another flower. But okay. they translated mandrakes. But it had the idea that it was meant to help women get pregnant. Oh, I see, I see. So she says, Rachel says, Leah, please give me some of your son's Dudadin or mandrakes. Uh, but she said to her, was your taking of my husband insignificant? Now, who's saying that in verse 15? Take a look Leia. At of course she is. Now, I want you to stop and think what this whole drama is. Leia thinks Rachel stole her husband. Because he married, he worked for another seven years and got married to Rachel. Uh-huh. And so, that's not true. They had to be in a joint conspiracy to let Leah marry him. And she says, "You, you, he worked another seven years and you married him. Uh, you're stealing my husband. And now to take even my son's, I guess mandrakes is the word they're using. Uh, Therefore, he shall lay with you tonight in return for your sons. So, you know, I just noticed something. Oh. The ten, of the 12 tribes of Israel, yeah, Judah and Benjamin are the only sons of Rachel, right? And later on, when they divide the ten tribes in the north, they're the they're the sons that come from mothers that's, apart from. That's what I'm saying is, I don't think a person would have any idea about a Messiah if they didn't understand the characteristics and the qualities of a Messiah. That must be born into the world, and you must understand these stories. Mm-hmm. Because if a guy come knocking on your door and you said, "Hi, who are you?" and he said, "I'm the Messiah," you'd say, "What's that?" <laughs> yeah, right. But, but if you understood these stories, the Jews knew what a Messiah was. Oh, boy, we're out of time. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, we got to where I, we needed I to. I want to say something. And next week we'll pick up okay. at this at this let's, spot. Let's say something. Okay. Let's say, always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. All right. We'll continue on next week, finish the book of Genesis, and go right on into Exodus. All right. I hope that you'll join us for the Bible Live this next week. And have a great one, folks. We love you, and uh, we'll see you then. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Show.
visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.